0: Hey there, friends. Welcome to Her Fight Club, a space to feel welcome to bring all the hard, messy, and broken parts of this life, but leave feeling less alone, encouraged, and empowered to face your battle ahead. Her Fight Club exists so that you can know that God, His Word, and a community of women are fighting for you. I'm your host, Jenny Bolton. It's an honor to fight for you today. Let's dive in. Hey, friends. Welcome back to the podcast, and happy February. I want to take a minute and thank each of you for tuning in to these episodes. I do not take it lightly, and I'm thankful for every single download. Because if I'm being completely honest, I still don't know what I'm doing half the time, and I still don't feel good enough. But I think God wants to keep me in that place of humble dependence on Him. And I'm so thankful for the super encouraging messages you guys have sent me to let me know the podcast is impacting you and helping you feel less alone and helping you fight the battles in your mind. It fuels me to keep going on the days when the enemy tries to get me to give up. Honestly, every message and every review feels like a hug straight from God. So I encourage you to partner with me in this mission to fight for others by continuing to share these episodes with friends and family, leaving a review to help the podcast reach more ladies. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button if you haven't yet so you don't miss any episodes. So this month, I felt led by God to tackle two battles that so many women in our world are fighting every day. And so many people I love, including myself, have experienced, and that is the battle of miscarriage and infertility. I have personally felt the devastation of miscarriage and have walked with many friends through the painful journey of infertility. Statistics tell us that one in five pregnancies end in miscarriage, and one in eight women struggle with infertility. In case you may not know, infertility means that a couple has tried for over a year to get pregnant without results. And friends, these aren't just statistics. They are real women and couples who are living this battle daily. These battles can bring people to a place of loss, rejection, insecurity, brokenness, deep disappointment, anger, jealousy, and doubts about the future. So what do we do with all of these very real feelings that threaten to defeat our minds? Can we really trust God in the midst of all the pain and unknowns? Can we claim hope and truth in this battle? Well, that's what we're going to answer in these episodes. We're going to hear from two ladies that have walked these difficult journeys and have learned ways to fight through the pain and claim victory in Christ. In this first episode, we're going to tackle the battle of miscarriage. My guests and I are both going to share our personal journeys facing this loss and the ways in which we struggled through it, but how God carried us through and helped us in the midst of deep pain. And for those who haven't experienced this loss, we hope this conversation gives you more empathy and understanding of how to support those walking in this battle. Well, I'm so honored and excited to introduce you to my guest for today. She is such a special friend, and two qualities that really stand out to me when I think of her is her intentionality as a mom and how she divinely advocates for others. The way she advocates for others is truly a gift. She advocates for the foster care and adopted children in her own home. She mentors teen moms, and she encourages and empowers other families walking the journey of foster care and adoption, including mine on the daily She's helped me laugh through the hard times, problem-solved all my life dilemmas way too many times to count, and has always pointed me towards God's Word and the right perspective. I can't wait for you to hear her journey and learn and lean into the wisdom God has given her today. So please welcome to the podcast my best friend, Kristen Crew.
1: Oh my goodness, Jenny. You're officially hired as my hype girl. You're (laughs) way kinder to me than my own inner voice ever is towards myself. And I love you for it. I'm so excited (laughs) to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm glad to be your hype girl any day. And yes, we're never kind to our inner voice. Well, fun fact, Kristen and I's friendship goes back like 15 years, which is seriously crazy and making me feel really old. We met in college at Liberty University and we landed on the same dorm and became fast friends and we have shared so many fun memories together over the years. So Kristen, the first question I ask us is to tell us a little about you and your family.
1: Um, thank you. Yes, just a little bit has changed since those college days. Am I right? Many years and many things in life later. Fast forward to today, and you'll find me in the DC area. We actually live in Maryland but serve in Virginia. So we kind of like cross the whole DC area on the daily, which is not really the norm for most people. Um, and I do that with my husband. And currently we have four kids. I worked as a special ed teacher and ABA therapist before adding kids and a new church that we helped start. To the mix. So now we have our oldest son who's eight and joined our family at age three through foster care and eventually through adoption. We have five and three-year-old biological sons and we have a two-year-old baby girl who joined our family through foster care um, straight from the hospital when she was born. So we've also had three pregnancy losses along the way um, in these parenting years, uh, which brings us to where we are today.
0: It is honestly just been such a blessing to watch how you're your family has grown over the years and um, just how y'all stepped into hard places for um, foster care um, and adoption. And it's just been so crazy how parallel our lives have continued to be, right? Like with both of our husbands in ministry, us both adopting a boy and then both having biological boys, um, it's kept us ever more connected as we relate to each other on every level.
1: (laughs) So true. It's incredible. (laughs)
0: Yeah, well, let's jump right in. Again, we are both gonna share our personal journeys with the loss of miscarriage. And um, Kristen, do you mind starting us off?
1: Sure, I trust that God may wanna use my pain. So I'm sharing such a sacred piece of my heart and my story because I know that whenever God does something in us, he wants to do something through us too. So I'm really honored and trust Lord um, for being here and for being asked to talk on this. In short, I've had three miscarriages through Our time um, becoming parents, each one different, each one more painful than the previous one, to be honest. The first two were in the first trimester. And my third came at 16 weeks of carrying a baby, which was you know, into the fourth month of pregnancy, well past all the safe zones and milestones that you're supposed to pass for it to be safe from miscarriage. From what I've read, it's less than like a 1% chance of it happening the way it did. So it was significantly more impactful. Um just knowing that, you know, in my womb was a baby with hands and feet and facial expressions and um, movement. Um, so um, the complexities just of any pregnancy, though, you know, however far um, that I think maybe I didn't realize before starting and that I think many people don't realize is, is just how all encompassing it is. You know, as soon as you find out you're pregnant, you're looking at due dates and planning your future. What you eat changes, your desires change, your symptoms remind you every second you're, that you're there's, you know, a baby in your belly. And so um, I just think pregnancy is such a full time job in many ways. And so no matter how long or short you're pregnant, it can be this like deep complexity of feelings, um, you know, no matter when the loss is. So with my third miscarriage, everything was going fine. Um, But when I went into a routine checkup at 16 weeks, they uh, very unexpectedly couldn't find a heartbeat. So the moments and days surrounding that time are just hard to put words into. Um, Just trying to explain it brings me like a reaction in my whole being Um, right now, just the sights and the sounds and the feelings. The doctor's appointment was literally not believable, unbelievable, culminating with me exiting out the back door, crying in my car, unable to talk to any of my loved ones besides a text. Um, So my husband took the kids that were already in our home out, which was a selfless act because with this loss, he felt like an instant um, guttural pain from the loss So I went home to silence, silence in my house, silence in my womb, but certainly not of my mind. So um, the days that followed included me carrying a baby that I knew no longer had life and um, eventually having a lot of pain and and going um, into labor on my own um, and then having to go to the hospital for intervention to safely miscarry. Which in and of itself was just a very traumatic experience. With the conversations that had to be had, the decisions that had to be made, the paperwork that we had to sign and decide on, and just the physical and emotional recovery from that point forward um, was just was just you know quite all encompassing. Like I said,
0: I still feel so incredibly emotional hearing your story. I remember exactly where I was at when you sent the text to me, and I remember just falling on my knees, begging God for a different outcome, but you were so faithful to trust Him in those days and even in the darkest moment of your life. And I just so badly wanted to take the pain away from you. Um, And I hated that I I wasn't able to be there in person for you in that time. And um, But that's something I will always look back on and just truly stand in awe of God through um, just how you responded in the face of your loss. Well, for me and my journey, it started with Andrew and I, after about three years of marriage, deciding we wanted to start trying to have kids. And We went into it very laid back at first, and so when we got pregnant early on and took the test, we were shocked in some ways, but also very naive to all of it. I really didn't know much about miscarriage at the time, um, really not even a lot about pregnancy, honestly, um, nor was it was miscarriage on my radar um, because I didn't really honestly know many friends who had even faced the loss up to that point or had a lot of friends that were even getting pregnant at the time. So, In my mind, everything was just black and white. You try to have a child, you get pregnant, and you deliver a healthy baby. Um, And around that same time, I was actually leaving on a mission trip for two weeks. So we decided to have all of our family over and tell them before I left. It was an exciting moment I won't ever forget. But looking back, I'm not even exactly sure why we told them uh, with it being still so early on. I guess maybe because I was going on the mission trip, I'm not sure. But in hindsight, this made the loss a lot harder. And well, after I got back from the trip about seven weeks... When I was about seven weeks pregnant, we went to the doctor and got to hear the heartbeat. And we were beyond excited and thrilled for this life growing inside of me and started to really dream about all the future held as hearing the heartbeat really made it real for us. And like Krista mentioned, once you know, it becomes this all-encompassing emotionally, mentally, and physically Your whole body, um, and you just switch gears really in your whole life. And every single day you're thinking about it. Um, And while at that same appointment, when we met with a doctor, she expressed she was a little concerned about my dates of when I conceived and the growth of the baby on the ultrasound. Um, But I just kind of brushed it off, honestly, thinking she had just got the dates wrong. um, And they took my blood. And we left that appointment just honestly on cloud nine. Um, And we got a call a day or so later that. My progesterone levels were very low and they had put in a prescription for me to start taking progesterone pills. So I thought, perfect, there's a solution. We are good to go. Um, and they wanted to see me back in a in a week to check the baby's heartbeat again. And again, because this was my first experience, I thought that's totally normal to go back that quickly for another ultrasound when really we know that's not normal. I remember being a little anxious, but also confident that the baby was good. And when we got in there the next week, um, that next moment will be etched in my memories forever as the sonogram tech searched and searched and could not find a heartbeat. But she couldn't tell us definitively because the doctor had to deliver that news. So we had to sit there in agony and wait to see the doctor. And we were already terrified and panicked. And she walked in and gave us the devastating news that there was not a heartbeat and I would miscarry the baby in the next few days or weeks. Complete shock and devastation followed. Feeling like just a complete disappointment to myself, my baby, and my family. The tears felt that they would never stop, truly. And after weeks of my body not going into the miscarriage on its own as a precaution, similar to you, I had to undergo a DNC to remove the baby. And similar to Kristen's story, this also felt like a very traumatic experience.
1: It really is. It's hard to describe. Um, but that was how many years ago? Nine years ago. And you still, we still remember every detail these losses are little humans, you know, loss of little humans that will stay with us until heaven. Heaven will be so sweet to be reunited with our babies.
0: Yes, it's it's so crazy to, to think about. And yeah, um, it was. It was about eight or nine years ago. And um, yeah, I can't even imagine the joy of heaven and, and one day meeting these babies. I feel like everyone grieves through miscarriage in different ways on different timelines, right? And there's for sure no right or wrong way to grieve. But let's talk about how grief initially looked like for us and how it looked ongoing as we have battled this loss.
1: Yes, everyone certainly is so different. And each loss for me was so different. And so I think it's so important to have a lot of grace for other people that we're walking through it with. And also for ourselves, um, knowing that often when things like this hit, it's kind of unpredictable how we need to walk through it. Um, so after the first one, I was so surprised, hurt, but more quickly was able to see, um, that there would be brighter days. Um, and, but by the third one, the whole like picking myself up the bootstraps type of mentality. It just wasn't an option. It just took over my whole mind and body and functioning. Uh, and in my case, I just, I needed to be alone, not only to handle it physically, but uh, I knew I just felt clearly in the depth of my soul that my only consolation would come from the Lord at that point, And that there was not a lot of hope or help uh, loved ones even could bring uh, so I just knew I had to go to the source to be alone and quiet and go to the God that I say I believe in and have sought to live after and dive into my journal and write and read and pray and ask all the hard questions before the Lord, search the Bible search books. I just I had to face it all in a quiet place with the Lord, um, so that I could see a way forward. Cause I really, I really couldn't see it, you know, for so long. But by God's grace, He doesn't keep us in that place. My mother-in-law experienced a really similar loss to me and told me in that time that eventually the waves would crash farther and farther apart. And it was just so hard to even believe that in the depth of the pain. Uh, But it did prove true over time. So step-by-step, day-by-day, hard thing after hard thing, you know, one foot in front of the other, trusting uh, the Lord's grace, uh, I was able to be carried through it. And one of my favorite lines is just, you know, grace carried us here. And by grace, we carry on. And sometimes it was as simple as clinging to that. Like I've gotten through this before I've gotten through hard things before. I just have to trust that I will be carried through this because that was my lived experience. So the waves did crash farther apart, but they still come, you know, there's not one day that I have not thought of this baby and these babies that I've lost uh, I I know now that it'll be a loss uh, until heaven you know looking different in different seasons and times but it's not something you get over you know you learn how to carry it with you
0: absolutely it's so true and um I love the the image of just like the crashing of the waves being further apart but they that they still come like there's still going to be those those seasons and those moments of triggers um and we will always have moments of grief because we lost a precious life and um, is a part of us. And so I wish I could say I dove straight into God and Scripture after my loss, but I really didn't. I remember just being completely numb and like I couldn't even hear truth or process the Bible at the t- at that time. I was just in a numb state and just so deeply sad. I All I wanted to do was cry and lay down for weeks. Um, there's been a lot of, you know time pass now and so it's hard for me to fully remember but that's really what I remember just kind of like wanting to just cry and lay down and um I felt empty and like I couldn't see past the pain I felt I probably coped at the time by watching Netflix to not feel it to not really cope with it to not really dive into to God in those moments and you know probably because I kind of put a wall up with him that maybe I because of all the disappointment and and really You know, wondering why this happened, and um, and I think at first I probably shut people out because we honestly didn't tell a lot of my friends, and so really it was just my family. But um, I think with only family knowing, it it felt really raw and almost like an embarrassment, like it was my fault and. Now that they knew and they were excited, now they were disappointed. Um, but I remember my cousin and sweet wife took us out to eat, um, because they had just recently walked through a similar loss and they wanted to encourage us. And I remember it was like this incredible steak dinner and I just couldn't even eat. Like I was just in deep sadness, um, really for, I feel like the next few months. Um, but I eventually got back to church and work and, um, you know, and felt more strength and felt like, um, it felt like though everything felt different, you know, and and thought about the baby constantly, and um, and the loss, and so I did eventually meet with God, and I remember reading Jesus Calling at the time, which is such a great devotional, and and God really spoke to me so much through those devotions um during my grief and i remember eventually experiencing you know god's supernatural peace and faith to trust him and to move forward Um, but it was just a very difficult and emotional battle um, as i processed my disappointment and grief and then of course having to wait the two weeks or so before i had my dnc i was just constantly triggered with you know the pregnancy feelings but then quickly reminded that the baby wasn't alive um And then, of course, having to pay thousands of dollars to have the procedure was very difficult to swallow on top of going through the recovery process after the surgery. Um, And I just remember just being very sad, but also in hindsight, um, really amazed at how God carried me and provided His peace to make it through each moment. Um, And also, one way that Andrew and I chose to honor our baby was by planting a peach tree in our yard. Um, And for some reason, that was just strangely healing at the time. So...
1: Yeah, I think that sometimes it is like there's tangible ways um, that can really help in these times, you know, and I think you touched on a lot of the like peripheral ways other people and other circumstances that make it harder than is known at first to the outside eye. And even like you touched on going back to work and church and like having so much of you in a different place of feeling this and walking through this and no one on the outside Yes. Even knowing, you know, to a, to a degree, depending on where you are. Uh, so uh, yeah, I do think in those times, in the end, it's important to investigate, you know, at whatever point in the journey that that comes up is, uh, do we believe God is who he says he is? You know, Absolutely. even when we don't see him, even when we don't feel it, um, do we believe he's near to the brokenhearted, you know, like the Bible says, and he's saddened by the brokenness of the world too. Like, I think, um, Wherever we find ourselves, those are really important questions that these things can bring us to, like you said.
0: Yeah, and I know, and I think that's one thing that, you know, really, I was so encouraged by how you just dug in and dove straight into just um, being with God, like knowing that nothing else was going to be enough except Him. And I know, I remember walking with you and your journey and it being extra hard because life was really busy like you were still you still had three kids to take care of and um and you hadn't told the whole world yet and so everyone on the outside didn't really know the darkness that you and Nate were walking through and you know I don't know how that was for you as far as like if you want to share anything that you know, how you navigated that, you know, because it was like an everyday darkness and battle, but everyone was just, you know, just had no clue. So,
1: yeah, I know. And that's a really interesting piece about this for me. And I think like you said it so kindly as if I like sought the Lord and the Lord alone because I knew no one else could, you know, help, but really, you know, we all know what it's like for people to say silly things that are meant to be helpful. Yes. (laughs) Yes <laughs> that aren't and I had subjected myself to that before and I just knew I couldn't handle it. So it mm-hmm. was like a, a protection to self more than maybe any godly <laughs> intent. But I'd like to think so. I'd like to think the Lord was in it. But that yeah. was part of it for why I didn't share. I mean, I hadn't shared um, with our kids at that point, even though I was far into the pregnancy because um, of my previous losses and because we we're walking through a lot of you know, loss uh, with foster care situations and things like that. I just didn't feel like, I had a hard time even verbalizing it and subjecting other people to it and just felt like for better or for worse, I needed to experience this pregnancy quietly before the Lord with my husband because I was having such an emotionally hard time in the pregnancy after two losses. So yeah, we were planning a church. We were surrounded by people and teams of like doing life together. And I shared with like maybe a handful of people. Um, And so I think I had to let go of being concerned how they felt afterwards, because I think it was um, surprising to a lot of them as some of them did find out as we were walking through the loss, but in the end, I, I just trust the Lord for the process. It was a gift to me that in my darkest days, the whole world didn't have to know, and I could, you know, the Lord could use it like this um, at a time that uh, was was uh, purposeful. Yeah. but not in a time of the deep grief so i don't I don't know that that's like a recommendation I would make, but looking back, I give grace to myself knowing that it did feel like the Lord pro- used it to protect me um, and and to help me cling to him when I didn't have to walk everyone in my life through it as I walked through it. It was like I could kind of take a second with the Lord and then I could help you know navigate it when I was in a little bit better place.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I think that that's, that's perfect. And, you know, like you said, it's, it's not necessarily like it's whatever your journey is and whatever you feel like God tells you to do. Cause I know some people, you know, it helps them to maybe instantly put it out there to a lot of people or instantly put it out on social media. And sometimes that can be really, you know, encouraging for them, encouraging for people. And I know eventually you did post about it and it was beautiful. And, you know, it was, it was so hard, I know, but Um, It was really amazing to see kind of the outpour of, you know, people that were like, obviously wanting to support you, but also, you know, relating to your pain and stuff. So,
1: yeah. Yeah, I think there's definitely something to be said for telling people early to rally prayer warriors around you too. And that's something family shared is like, we could have been praying sooner if we had known sooner. And they did know I was pregnant, but I just didn't tell them for a little bit. Uh, So I get that. And I think there's value in celebrating every life, no matter how long they're in your womb. I was just in a sensitive emotional place over it, given my prior losses. So definitely not a recommendation, but definitely like, as you say, as your counselor says, give your humanity a break and walk through these things with a limp, you know, and I very much walked through this with a limp. So yeah, it did. It definitely impacted people around me and my husband and the way we walked through that. How about for you? Did it impact your family? And
0: Yes. Um, Well, I know for me, like I didn't have kids at the time, so it didn't affect my kids, but um, it definitely impacted Andrew in a very significant way. Like almost like I don't know. I think when I look back, I was almost like shocked that it did impact him. I mean, obviously that makes sense. But with him not, you know, having that all-encompassing um, physical bond with the baby, um, I was like, man, it really does impact the husbands. And it was really like eye-opening. Um, but I know for me, we, we had to kind of watch like, you know, we had so much anger and disappointment at the time. So... We really had to, you know, try our best to not take it out on each other because at that time it was just me and him. So, um, I remember we just cried a lot and, um, we process our emotions and obviously not having kids, we had a lot more time to do that. And we had a lot more time to just like, um, which was lonely, you know, it was, it was almost more, it was just silence and lonely, but, um, but it did give us like more space to just kind of be able to grieve and heal and just kind of, um you know, have that time and space. Um, And I think there's just an element sometimes that you can just feel really alone because you feel like maybe your husband can't fully relate to the pain. And that's a true emotion. But was that ever something that you struggled through?
1: Yes, I think everything you're saying is so true and so important. We can't expect, and this goes for, you know, marriage in general, but we walk through things differently and we can't always expect our spouse to walk through it the same way as us. So I love that verse that says to live in an understanding way with each other in the Bible because we are never going to fully understand each other. We cannot expect our husbands to understand fully the depth of what this means for our mind and body and emotions and future and thoughts and all of that. They're not capable of bearing that weight of fully understanding us. And we know that from lived experience, like they are not always able, but we can live in an understanding way where if he's silent in his grief, I can figure out how to meet him there. If he's very, you know, verbal processor, I can figure out how to meet him there. Uh, So I walked through a lot of people with that um, and how to just extend grace in hard times, but find unity in that. So I think with each miscarriage, it was a little different for me and Nate, but um, certainly he has been a very present, patient tangible help and support. And by the third one was really just walking through it with me. I mean, he read Elizabeth Elliot's suffering is never for nothing in the hospital during my procedures aloud um, wow. as we waited for everything to happen. We got through the whole book. So, um, he's really been a very close, you know, uh, companion in this. And that has been so sweet.
0: Yes. And yeah, yeah Nate is the best of all time. Um, but, you know I think that like we we both had husbands that were very supportive and um come alongside and just really grieve with us and um and I love like the whole and you know live in an understanding way and you've you actually taught that to me and you've helped me to to do that sometimes it's harder than others if you know what I mean (laughs) um throughout all of life's struggles but Um, I know there's probably women out there that don't have, you know, a supportive husband through the loss of miscarriage. And so, um, you know, I would say like, definitely make sure that you have, um, another, you know, lady in your life or reach out to someone at your church or just even, um, you know, a professional counselor and, you know, definitely don't walk the road alone. So true. Um, And like we've talked about, you know, the loss of a child can really bring us to such depths of pain. And it's a perfect time for the enemy to attack our minds and really tempt us to just question God, question his plans, question his goodness. So let's both share just how we wrestled through this and what helped us to fight back for truth in those moments.
1: Yes, I I think that in these times, our mind is in a constant state of struggle sometimes. So it does take some fight in us. So, and like you said, wrestle, that's what it was for me. Just wrestling with the big questions, like just facing it, facing those questions. You never thought you'd ask facing those questions that you've never felt in the same way. Um, just to really seek truth and even peace and suffering. So in this case for me, it was why, why me, why do we suffer? and really coming back to those things. Um, and what I really came back to is just that the Bible is clear. We will suffer in this world. There will be trouble. The Bible says we are not exempt from suffering, but neither was our God. You know, we believe just hear me for a second that the world was created perfect, you know, but was broken by sin. So the brokenness left us separated from God until Jesus, the son of God came to live a life. We couldn't live and die a death that we deserve so we could have life with him now and forever. So in this world, there will be trouble. We know this, uh, this, but when we are struck down, we won't be destroyed. Like the Bible says, when we are perplexed, we will not be in despair. So, uh, when we give our lives to God's plan and purposes, we can have a, a sure and steady anchor for our soul, a hope that no circumstance, no loss, nothing can ever take away. We have Jesus near with us, present, promising everything we need, like eventual peace and hope and um, and I think that like doesn't even make sense unless you surrender your life to it. You know what I mean, so I just Absolutely. had to think to that truth. Um, Romans 8, 26, 27 talks about the spirit interceding for us. And when we, like you said, in your time of loss, like couldn't even think of what to pray for or how to look forward, um, that when we believe what I just said, we believe the Holy Spirit comes and lives in us and literally works on our behalf when we can't do it, you know, Amen. and that's where we really can get hope. So um, that on top of a, a few friends, you know, a few safe people for me, um, like you who, you know, intercedes, that means pray Praise, you know, steps in in prayer and kind of carries me through it. I needed physical help with my, with my kids. Um, and, uh, yeah, just to learn to live with the tension of it all of joy and struggle of pain and beauty to kind of live, to fully embrace life while also understanding there will be this, um, weight of loss, you know, with us for so long, but, prayerfully walking through it in a way that that helps us to long for eternity, long for heaven, cling to this future hope that we're promised um, in a, in an anticipation, you know, um, and that's how loss and hard things can be used for good forever,
0: you know? So good. You're preaching. You are preaching. And I love it. Um, It is a long
1: haul road, though. You know, like, that's so important. Like, the lies crept in. I mean, the lies lived in, in the beginning. You you wrestled through this. But even still, sometimes it's hard to see the why, you know, and, and how our future looks different than maybe we thought when we thought we were going to plan our family. Absolutely. And really, you know, constantly taking our thoughts captive and surrendering them to the Lord's plans and purposes and his presence, you know? So it's a, it's a constant thing, of course.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, like you said, a long haul road that, you know, there's going to be moments where you, the grief comes back up and you, and you, and you have to grieve through it. And, you know, sadly, like, it is a daily fight you know to battle our thoughts like we talk about a lot on the podcast wow. and and for this journey especially you know to go back to those moments um in time where you you met with god and and he spoke those things over you and to really battle your thoughts with you know the truth um the truths that he he gave you in those dark moments where you were wrestling with him. Um, I know for me, I go back to to those times in my journal or um or things I've wrote in my phone or whatever that um just really carried me through. So I would say for me, I wrestled with very similar questions, you know, is God good? Mm-hmm. You know, why me? Um, also like was it my fault? Did I do something wrong to deserve this? Maybe I'm being punished, like lots of shame and guilt from the enemy. Um, you're not worthy, you're broken, you don't deserve a child. Um, I always tend to self-sabotage, as you know, as my best friend, um, and go to shame. Um, And obviously, we know shame is from the enemy. But God has really taught me similar things as you, Kristen, um, during this time that pain and suffering are just always going to be present while we're here on this fallen earth that isn't our true home. And in those moments, it really, like you said, it allows us to position ourselves to look to heaven and to look for eternal things. Mm -hmm. Um, But we know that perfection is for eternity. um, And I needed to adjust my expectations and perspective. And I think it really taught me that pain isn't always the enemy. It can actually produce things in our life that times when everything is just perfectly smooth and easy, it just can't. We know growth comes when things are pressed. And I think a Romans 5 that says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us and develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. So I really feel like He just, He taught me that He allowed the pain but the fall of mankind is what calls the pain, not him. And he is with me in the pain. And his word is close. His word says that he is close to the brokenhearted. And again, most of the time I experience him more intimately in the pain than when everything turns out perfect in life. And I know we would all say we want to be close to God. We want God to use us. We want to strengthen our character. But then a lot of times we just act like pain is the enemy. Like we don't want to have anything to do with any kind of pain Um but that's how we grow. That's how we strengthen ourselves in our faith. And so, um, you know, our our pain isn't for nothing. You know, he can use it to refine and strengthen us
1: so good. There's that quote from Tim Keller that I love that says, Suffering is unbearable if you aren't certain that God is for you and with you. And I think that that is the hope we can have as a Christian, you know, uh, is in how we suffer, that we don't suffer um, in a meaningless way, in a purposeless way, you know. um, But we really have to know the God that we're trusting in order to trust Him, you know. Absolutely. Uh, That's so good. Yeah,
0: well, I'm glad you you shared the gospel earlier because, you know, that— that is something that, you know, as listeners, like if you don't know this God that can give you peace and suffering, um, then you won't be able to move forward with true hope and peace. And so spend time and get to know this God because I promise you, He can bring you peace in the in your worst moments, in your darkest moments. Um, and I love that what you just said, that quote. And um, it it's like one way that we can really share the gospel in a very clear way to a lost world. It's one thing for us to share about Jesus with words, but when the world can see us trust a God in our worst moments and unbearable losses, that's when like head shift and, and people really take notice and want to know the God that we serve. So we know it's okay to not be okay and to take as much time as we need to grieve in this loss. But let's talk about how do we fight through our pain in a way that we let ourselves feel and process the pain but not let our minds constantly live in a place of complete defeat and despair. So for you, Kristen, what has helped you most in your healing journey to fight through your pain?
1: Ooh, that's a big question. And I love what you said about we don't always have to be okay. Uh, I think we need to embrace that sometimes knowing, like you said, that we need to give our humanity a break and we can actually make much more of the Lord when we're ready to own our own pain and brokenness and um, the ways we're not okay, because He is always good, always faithful, and it can point us and others more to Him. Um, He's the one that's able to lift our burdens. You know, He's gentle and lowly and accessible. So we're not always okay. And we don't need to need to act like we are, you know, that's not even what faith is. And I think historically, sometimes that's the way people have tried to present themselves. You know, the shift comes when we can admit we're not okay and then decide what to do about it. So I think the fight looks different for each of us, but we do have to stay in the fight. We can't let our feelings rule forever. We can't let our thoughts run wild because we all know they can. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So for me, it meant finding the margin to take it to the Lord and, and, you know, kind of duke it out, like I said before, um, because He cares and is with us. Um, But I did think of five like specific things that I think can help in the fight. And the first one is just preventative work. Like if you're not in a season of loss or grief or experiencing this, then do prevention work. Be proactive in seasons that aren't marked by loss. Memorize verses, check these things we're talking about, where your hope lies, what your support and community is if something was to happen. Like really press in if you're not in a season experiencing this. And I think just bringing darkness to light is a part of the war, you know, like don't let it stay in the darkness alone in isolation, share it with the Lord, how you're feeling, what you're thinking. He knows it, he's with you and share it with, share it with a counselor or a safe friend. Again, it doesn't have to be the world and I certainly wouldn't recommend that for a lot of things. Um, I think also just remembering that, healing can come when we see our lives as a pipe, not a bucket. This is a sermon illustration from my husband, but, <laughs> um, you know, it's not, God doesn't do things in us or have things happen to us just to sit there and, and be stagnant, you know? And I think there is really some healing work in that is in being able to walk through it, um, in a way that it can be used, I think also just remembering that we can't put a timeline on it, you know, that it's not linear. Um, the door never shuts to those feelings of loss, you know. Um, and so just realizing that's normal, you know, as you walk through each stage and it comes back in a new and fresh way that you didn't expect. Um, and so, like I said, the last one just being create. Margin in times of loss, consider energy management over time management. That has been huge for me. If you look at the calendar and say, I might have time for that, your energy is often what you have to manage. And in times of walking through hardship like this, you just don't have the energy or the social capacity or anything to do what you may you know, you may be used to doing. So um, definitely something. knowing our limits in that, you know, um, and when to step away and when to allow ourselves grace. So those are big ones, I think.
0: Man, I love all of those things that you share. They're so, so good, especially preparing your mind in easier seasons for the harder ones. Um, that's not something like people talk about a lot for whatever reason, you know. Um, but i think that that is just so critical and again because none of us are exempt from suffering like we will have suffering so if you're in a season where you're not suffering right now um you know really dig in um i think that that's a really good advice and something that clearly you did because when it got to your suffering you were able to lean and you know glean from those times um before that happened and so um, I love just like giving yourself space to grieve and just validating yourself when it's hard and love the energy management over time management. And that's something that you have taught me and something I now consider it, you know, as I'm looking at, at things um, and I'm walking through hard seasons. So, so good. Um, well, let's talk a minute about triggers since you mentioned that, because I'm, I know it's super helpful to know our triggers, especially in losses, so that we can be proactive and to make sure that we're guarding our heart and our mind. um, And I know for me, I would say social media was a huge trigger for me in that time and seeing pregnancy announcements and seeing babies delivered healthy and definitely people taking, you know, talking about hearing the heartbeat, um, you know, and I, I was triggered by seeing, you know, just pregnant people, you know, in public and for sure, like baby showers um, thankfully not a lot of my friends were having babies at that time but I can imagine that could be a huge trigger for women who do and I think learning when to stay off social media especially if I was having a hard week with it was critical for me and just allowing myself time to have a cry or scream or journal my grief out when I was triggered so what have you noticed are some of your triggers
1: Yes. I think all those are so good. And I just highly recommend the mute button on on Instagram or other social medias where you just don't have to see their posts when it's no fault yes. of their own and someone you love, but just isn't helpful to your, to your mind at the time. But I do think it's important to understand this word trigger. We talk about too, even though when we were voice texting, I was like, are you saying chigger? Like, do we have chiggers? Yeah. <laughs>
0: It's like when you say things like so many times and then it's like, it doesn't come out right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Trigger. Um, But it is used a lot right now, that word. And it seems important to understand just how our brain and body work. And, you know, Jenny and you and I have both taken a pretty deep and constant dive into the world of trauma and how that's played out for our kids that have came into our family through foster care and adoption. So with that, we know that our brains and bodies just don't forget these experiences we have. Instead, we can have these physiological responses that are beyond our initial conscious control. Mm. So for sure, I've had this with this experience more than many, very similar to yours, Jenny. Um, I think we just have to care for ourselves gently in the way that the Lord cares for us. And sometimes for me, that is like exactly like you said, seeing people that were due around the same time as me conversations people would think were okay with me. And I just, I just couldn't handle it. Some social environments I knew just would be um, triggering. And sometimes we need to push through and work on our thoughts in that process, you know, but other times it's okay just to gently step away, you know, whatever that looks like, whether in person or social media or step away from any kind of source that, um, that, that takes us to a place that isn't beneficial,
0: you know? Amen. Yeah, I'm really thankful you brought up the word trauma and um, because I, I think it's something that, you know, I think, you know, if you're not aware of it, Um, then you can kind of think, oh, I'm just making this up, or I'm just being crazy. But it's literally our body's response to the pain that we experienced. I don't know. I think in general, we just don't, we don't fight for ourselves like we fight for other people, you know? So um, we really have to also apply the same care to ourselves um, as we would other people and, and realize that we're worthy of that, right? And so... Yes. Um, We've talked about ways to fight back in the pain. And now I want us to shift and share some specific scriptures that have really carried us and continue to carry us through this loss. Um, And we know there's just no substitution for God's word. Um, The Bible says it's alive and active and it has the power to heal and to comfort and to bring peace and purpose like nothing else on this earth. Um, Kristen, can you share some verses that you have really found refuge in?
1: Yes, I think that's really good what you're saying in that even as we talk about the triggers and the physiological responses that like we serve a whole body God, like our spiritual life is not separate from our mental health and our emotional health and our physical Mm. health. God cares about all of it, you know, and so self care is great sometimes it's needed as a means to experience more of the Lord because yeah. we're not in a, in a physical place where um, we can't. So I think it's good and has its place, but often it needs to be a directive towards the Lord. So that is so good. I think um, Hebrews 4, 15 to 16 is one that kind of encapsulates what I've been talking about a little bit. It says that we don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Just like we're talking about who Jesus was, that he came to live and die and rise again um, for us to have life. He is not a God who is far off and doesn't understand and is separate. He has been um, been on this earth, experienced it and is able to be with us in it. And I think that's, uh, especially one of the pictures I love the most is in Daniel three, when Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego are getting put in the fire and they say, my God can, and he will, but even if not, we won't bow to other gods. And they do go in the fire, but then they see a fourth person in the fire with them and Mm. it's the Lord with them. So go. they still go in the fire. They still are enduring the fire, but they come to the other side with God with them, you know. And that points to Isaiah 43 that says, "Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name; you're mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. Through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, just like them in Daniel 3, and the flame shall not consume you." And those are the things when we can't see it, when we feel totally consumed that I, that you look to scripture and say, this is the God we know, you know, and you look at his attributes and verses that say he is faithful. He is good. He is holy. He can't not be those things. So even in my pain, he is unchanging and he is those things. And that's where I have to look as I get carried through, you know, with a limp through these things.
0: Mm, So good. I'm like getting tearful over here as you're reading God's word, because it is just life changing. Um, and it's not even just words, like, it's like, it's an experience too. like, it's truth that we can anchor in, but it's also like, we've experienced the, you know, being in the fire and God meeting us there. That's- so, um, well, one verse that really marked my journey and also carried me through future pregnancies was Psalm one twelve seven. It says, they do not fear bad news. They confidently trust the Lord to care for them. Because it was very tempting for me to constantly fear bad news was coming after my experience. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, kind of like a trauma. Um, so that has and still is just a lifeline verse for me. And one that I apply to other things, not even, you know, pregnancies. Um, so especially in the year of 2020, right? <laughs> We're not yep. going to fear bad news. That's not oh, man. Um But also 2 Corinthians 4, um, that reminds me, you referenced this earlier, but that no matter what troubles I'm faced with on this earth, God's got me. And that suffering is temporary, but one day we will meet our babies again in eternity and all will be made right. Um, But it says, we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but we are not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever." So we do not look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. And this literally, I mean, just even as I'm reading it right now, like it breathes life into me and brings purpose to the pain and that there is a future hope. And it just, and gosh, it just brings me so much hope.
1: Yes, I'm about to like stand up and start stomping and doing
0: <laughs> Praise <laughs> on the Lord. <laughs> like one of those, those like gifs, you know, of like the... Yes, like the Hallelujah.
1: I, uh, I am living <laughs> stiff right now. Uh, no, but it's so true. The Bible says that the word is living and active. You know, and it is. Uh, I think too with the Psalm one twelve seven, they don't fear bad news. They confidently trust the Lord to take care of them. That's not because bad news won't come. Like we're absolutely. About, like we've like I had three miscarriages. So as I try not to fear bad news, it's not because I know it's not an option or like it's not going to happen. It's because I remember who God was in those times and that He. carried us through with the peace um, and with everything we need to survive another moment or another day, you know? And so it's like placing the anchor of your soul on something greater than the bad news itself. It's on God himself that will be with you through any bad news, you know?
0: I'm really glad you brought that up because I think that it can easily, you could translate that verse and get it out of context. Like you could be like, oh, we're not fearing bad news because... You know, we're just going to hope that bad news doesn't come and that God doesn't want us to, you know, to have this bad news. But, but in all reality, what he's saying is we're just not going to live in fear. We're not going to live in fear because we confidently trust that God's got us no matter what. So I'm really glad you brought that up. It's, it's so good to anchor, you know, our, our hearts and minds in that truth. And I know that in these times, um, worship can really be such a weapon. So do you have a song that really brings strength and peace when you're triggered by this loss?
1: Yes. I would 10 out of 10 recommend Though You Slay Me by Shane and Shane with John Piper in it on YouTube. I think it's only on YouTube, but listen to it on repeat. And then by Hillsong, Another in the Fire refers to Daniel 3 and um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the Fiery Furnace. And that has been just, that's what's transformed um, this truth in the Bible as I've listened to that so many times. So I would hundred percent recommend that.
0: How about so for you? good. I love all those. Um, I would say, you know, a recent one, I don't really remember like looking back. Now it's been so many years um, with my miscarriage, but like one song that I really go to now for like times of grief and sorrow is um, Into the Sea by Tasha Layton. Um, is one I really turn up when I'm feeling grief set in. And uh, one line uh, from that is, though the mountains may be moved into the sea, though the ground beneath me might crumble and give way, I can hear my father singing over me. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. So that's just always encouraging. I'm not... Did you think I was going to sing that?
1: I'm mean, <laughs> not. I've heard you sing it. I was hoping not. Just
0: right? Saying. I make a joyful noise is what Andrew always tells me. Amen. Amen. <laughs> um, okay. Well, let's talk about purpose in our pain because I know we've kind of mentioned it a few times, but I kind of wanted to to really uh, you know dive into that a little bit more Um and I know when we can begin to experience some purpose, it can be very healing. Um, and I love Second Corinthians 1, through 3-6 that says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with His comfort through Christ. Even when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation. For when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. And in my journey, God has given me many opportunities to comfort others who have also suffered a miscarriage. And it's been so neat to be able to really identify with their pain and know how to come alongside them and remind them that they aren't alone and um, support them in just authentic ways Um, because I have been there. Um, So it's just really empowering to know that God can use something so painful to help others. And honestly, it's just maybe a more empathetic person in general, just um, towards those in pain. So um, what has your experience been like?
1: Yes, that verse is so good and so powerful. And I think for me, it took a long time to even get there to see outside of my the human it felt like I lost from my from my womb um to think about um that helping other people. So I I certainly see that now and um am so thankful for how God uses it in other people's lives. I think the primary purpose um I see in it is just closeness with the Lord. We'll never regret moments spent seeking the Lord and finding him and growing to be more like him. And so I think that is really the thing I could never regret about these hard experiences. There's this Elizabeth Elliott quote I love that comes up all the time. And like you said, it helps us, this pain helps us relate to many other pains as well. So I use it in many different contexts, but it says in suffering, God is giving us more than he could ever take away because he's giving us more of himself. Mm. And I think that holds true. You know, we feel like a lot has been taken from us with these losses, but God has continually poured out more and more of himself through it. And that is the best news and the best purpose that he can use, you know, forevermore in whatever context he um, desires to use us in.
0: I love that so much. That's such a good quote. And I've um, heard you quote it many times, and it's always been so encouraging because I think that we can always look to, you know, how God uses our pain to help others. But I think it's a perspective shift to think that um, He uses it, you know, for the purpose of just growing us closer to Him. Um, and there's so much value in that. Just, you know, when we meet with Him in the secret and He speaks things over us and He prepares us um, for the battle ahead, because it's like, you know, our whole life is this masterpiece and we don't always know what's ahead. And so as we go through these things, it's like we are trusting Him by faith that these things are preparing us for our future ahead. Yes. Um And so I just think that that's encouraging just the purpose that he can bring from the pain. But um, I wanted to end with us uh, just talking real quick about how to support those who are walking through a miscarriage Um, because there's helpful things and there's not helpful things, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And um, I just thought maybe we could both share just our top two to three things that um, were helpful or would have been helpful to us in that time of loss.
1: Yes, I think for me, it's help that requires nothing of me. (laughs) Yes, not my presence, not my thinking. I think I'm prone to want to help people walk through and think through things. And there's just these, you know, sacred times like this where I, I can't, I can't offer myself in that way, you know? And yes. so I think, um, and not that they're asking me to do that, but just that that's my natural tendency. So, um, I think a meal being sent without even me having to decide what to order like you and, and our friend Jess sent me and flowers a friend sent me just to show that you see and care, you know, really tangible help. If there's other kids in the home is huge, you know, just physical space. Um, And even my friend who texts me on the due date of the baby, knowing that I surely wouldn't forget. And she didn't either just these, Mm. you know, things that show that you're seen and cared for. And I'm going to help you get through this day or this moment, no matter how big or small is so valued. And I feel like I'm not always that person for other people, but seeing how people have met me in these places. I mean, I'll just never forget. And you're a really good one at that.
0: (laughs) Well, I feel like you are too. So don't discount that. Um, yeah. And I, you know, for me, um, I felt like we didn't let many people know about our miscarriage at the time. So, you know, for us, there wasn't like mills being sent. I mean, I think our family sent some meals again, it's hard for me to remember, um, that time I probably walked out a lot of that time, but, um, I definitely think sending meals, like you said, are just gift cards, like, um, is so helpful. Yes. Um, and now we have, you know, all of the delivery options. So that's always golden. Um, but like Kristen said, um, you know, most people just don't want to socialize or be around people in this time. And I know for me, even though I am like extrovert, extrovert. Um, I didn't want to be around people, <laughs> um, right. at all. Like for a, for a while. So, um, you know, also at the time, my mentor uh, sent me flowers too, and that was super encouraging and just healing. And, um, I just think being present, even when it's awkward, and and sending stuff to lift them up out of the darkness in tangible way. So, just whatever the the Lord lays on your heart, truly, um, you can't go wrong, right? Like listening and obeying the voice of the Lord. Um for your friends who are going through dark times so
1: do you have anything else expecting anything in return yeah like we're yes you don't have to explain yourself or what happened or how you're doing even just like yes just being there yeah for sure i know because
0: i feel like i'm always tempted to ask people how they're doing um you know and and sometimes they don't want to answer and sometimes they you know they might want to but um yeah really just meeting them where they're at um And so last question, what encouragement would you say to all the people out there that have just suffered a miscarriage and really feel like they just can't even fight back because they are so broken?
1: I think that is so true that sometimes it feels like we just have no fight in us and that's the reality of it. You know, so we have to see um, where we believe God is in it. And I think as we believe what we said before, that God is for us, he is with us. He can handle our pain. Um, he has plans and purposes that we can surrender our life and our pain to. And greatest of all in these times when we have nothing to give, we look to Romans eight, 26 to 27, that talks about the Holy spirit, helping us in our weakness that the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words you know that mm-hmm. um in christ There are um, ways that all things can work together for good. And that's not from our words or our striving or anything. It's from resting in the Lord and who He is and what His Spirit can do as He intercedes for us. So I think we also just have to believe heaven is really good news. We have to cling to future hope when hope is not current in our lives and our circumstances. And over time, just be willing to experience joy and pain simultaneously. You know, it's such like a counterintuitive way to thinking, but that both and... And both feeling joy and feeling pain both feeling excited and feeling really sad you know simultaneously carrying that is really where we can walk well through brokenness
0: i love it um i love that even when we can't fight back that that's actually a really good place to be because it gives us a place to just fully surrender and know that he fights for us so man such good words um it has truly been an honor um, to be um, on the podcast today with you and just for us to both share our stories. And I just wanted, to again, thank you for being so brave. Um, you know, I've walked this journey with you and I was still impacted by all you shared today. And I know everyone listening was as well. So to close our time out together, Kristen, do you mind just praying for everyone who is listening and just battling the loss of miscarriage right now?
1: For sure. Let's do it. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for Jenny, for her faithfulness to you, God. I thank you that as so much in our lives have changed and continues to change, that you are an ever-present help in times of trouble. You are never changing, always the same, God. So I just pray that in our brokenness, in our loss, in our pain, that you would be present, God, that you would show us how near you are to the brokenhearted, that you would use our pain for a purpose, God, that we might see not see right now, but we can trust you for. I just pray that all the pain and loss would help us to see how sweet heaven we will be until long for that day when we are um, in heaven with you, God. So just use this for your glory and for our good. In Jesus' name I pray,
0: amen. Thanks for listening. And we hope this episode has left you more equipped to face your battle today. Also, check out part two of this episode, which will be a short reading of scripture specific for this battle to help you meditate on the truth and renew your mind. All the information from this episode will be in the show notes and on Instagram at Her Fight Club. If this episode encouraged you, please share with your friends. And if you could take a minute and leave a review, it helps the podcast reach more ladies who need to know they're not alone in their battles. Also, for more raw and real conversations, head over to our private women's Facebook groups under Her Fight Club. And last, we have a worship playlist specific for each episode to help you battle in worship. And you can find that on Spotify, also under Her Fight Club. So remember, you're not alone. The struggle is so real, but so is our God, and His love and word is ready to fight for you today. In God's power, let's fight to claim truth for ourselves and all the hers in our life. We got this together.